Today from the Global Lane, Joe Biden sworn in, bringing change. Will Americans be targeted as domestic terrorists? There will be no discrimination between us peaceful conservative Christians and those who want violence. COVID-19 still keeping millions of American kids out of the classroom. It is a human rights crime that our kids are not in class. There's no data anywhere in the world that supports the kids should not be in class. Biden stimulus plan, spending our way to prosperity? Mask mandates and calls for the deprogramming of Trump supporters. Path to unity? And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Capitol Hill riots, impeachment, and big tech censorship. Is this the new norm for American politics? How can Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and other government leaders bring about national unity? Well, our next guest says we're living in what he calls a Father Kolakovic moment. Here to explain and provide some insights is American conservative senior editor Rod Dreher. His latest book is Live Not By Lies, a manual for a Christian dissidence. Rod, please explain this Father Kolakovic moment. I, I know you mentioned it in your book. What is it? Why do you think it's happening here in America? Right. Well, Father Tomislav Kolakovic was a Croatian priest in the 1940s doing anti-Nazi underground work in Zagreb. He got a tip that the Gestapo was coming for him, so he escaped the country and went and hid out in neighboring Slovakia, his mother's homeland. When he arrived there in 1943, he began to teach at the Catholic University. He told his students, the good news is the Germans are going to lose this war. The bad news is the communists are going to be ruling this country when the war is over. The first thing they're going to do is come after the church. We have got to be ready for it. So what Father Kolakovich did was prepare prayer groups of students who would come together to pray, to study scripture but also to study the signs of the times and to figure out how to prepare for coming persecution. Father Kolakovich's uh, prayer group spread throughout the country very quickly. Every town of any size had one. Now, his bishops told him, Father, you're being alarmist, you're scaring people, it will never happen. But Father Kolakovich knew the communist mindset, and he knew what was going to happen when they took power. Sure enough, Gary, as soon as the Iron Curtain came down in that country, the communists came after the church with a stern, horrible persecution. The groups of Father Kolakovich set up were the backbone of the underground church for the next 40 years. I firmly believe that we're in a similar moment here in America now. Christians of all kinds, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, have got to take advantage of this moment of liberty we have to get our networks in place to prepare for persecution. Yes, a good friend of mine uh, actually was in Prague, is from Prague, and was there in 1968 as a child when those tanks moved in. So big tech, free speech. Is this just a momentary blip on the radar screen, Rod, or, or do you expect this will get worse? Oh, no, this is definitely going to get worse. And my book, Live Not By Lies, I talk about this as the beginning of soft totalitarianism soft totalitarianism because it's not going to have gulags and secret police, the things that the Soviets had. Rather, this is something that's going to be done uh, by mostly by big tech limiting access to the economy and keeping it so that only those who conform with what the regime wants can participate in the economy. We're already seeing it happen now in China with the social credit system there, which only lets people who conform to what the government wants have access, full access to the economy and uh, travel, good jobs, universities, etc. I think we are going to see an informal version of that happen right here here in America, and the hammer is going to come down on conservatives and traditional Christians.
So what do you think will happen in the days ahead with a Joe Biden presidency? Now, you mentioned soft totalitarianism. Are we advancing down that road under Joe? What do you expect? Yeah, we absolutely are. Joe Biden has already talked about how he's going to pass domestic terrorism legislation. We're going to see people designated as terrorists, people who have no interest in terrorism at all, who do not support violence, but who simply question the way things are done in this country. And they do so from the right. I believe that Christians, conservative Christians, are going to be targeted too. And there will be no discrimination between us peaceful uh, conservative Christians and those who want violence. But here's an important point too, Gary. It's not simply going to come from the government and may not mostly come from the government. It's going to come from big business and big tech who will be using their freedom in our free market society to marginalize and oppress deplorables, which include political conservatives and religious conservatives. Well, we've even seen some of that already uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, if you're if you are against wearing a mask, you become ostracized on big tech by big tech. They'll even shut you down. So how does the pandemic play into all of this? Well, what the pandemic has done, and I should say that I believe the pandemic is real, but what the pandemic has done is accustomed us to being controlled. Uh, it has uh, kept put us in a position and a mindset of fear and control and where we can be open to being told what to do by the government. And I think that this has been a dry run, if you will, for, uh, for greater control. And I think that insofar as Christians have not not use this time, this pandemic time, to prepare ourselves for the long run, for what it would mean to be faithful under a long uh, period of oppression, then we have wasted our time. There's no more time to waste. Well, more on that then, uh, Rod, as we wrap this up. Uh, then how should conservatives and Christians, Catholics, evangelicals in this country, respond to all this? What do we need to do? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is root ourselves as firmly as possible in our faith and in community. I was talking last night to an ex-military intelligence man, a Christian, who said that no Christian should believe that anything we say online or electronically mediated is safe. It will be stored somewhere. It sounds paranoid, but it's not paranoid. This is in my book, Live Not By Lies. What we have to do most of all, though, is prepare to suffer. We in the American church know nothing about suffering. We've had it good for a long time. The people who grew up under communism, uh, in I talk to in my book, Live Not By Lies, they know what it's like to suffer for the faith. We have to start learning from their experience and be prepared to be steadfast and to suffer with without hating our enemy. Yes, I've, I've met with many suffered, uh, suffering Christians around the world, persecuted for the faith. And you know what? We can learn a lot from them. I agree, Rod. Thank you so much Amen. for that. You're author of Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents. Rod Dreyer, thank you again for being with us. Thank you, Gary. There's some good news for folks in New York State. Governor Cuomo says he'll phase out the lockdowns there and start opening up. The northern part of the state comes first, then maybe New York City by late spring. Cuomo's COVID-19 orders are among the most restrictive in the nation. But have they been necessary? Our next guest says the science has not justified the extreme political response that we've seen in various states around the country. Michael Beatrice is a coronavirus researcher, author of the book COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial. Michael, good to talk to you again. So first, Governor Cuomo is now having a change of heart. So why has the science changed? 
No, I think the economic devastation has probably changed. But, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, that, that's a game changer uh, for, for Governor Cuomo. I mean, if you have uh, Illinois or, uh, or California or New York start to open up, uh, and send that message that will probably be a, uh, a bit of a domino effect on uh, other states that have restrictions. So I consider that a game changer. Maybe, you know, too little, too late, but never too late, right? It's well, got to get, it's got to happen. <laughs> Better late than never, I guess. Our CBN yeah. News contributing reporter Chuck Holden was recently in Armenia. He said few people there are wearing a mask. Armenians uh, have few restrictions. Their COVID death rate has dropped. We've seen the same thing happen in some other countries, also in various states right here in the U.S. So why is that, Michael? Don't we need social distancing and masks to stop the spread of this deadly virus? I think it's an interesting question. Uh, I saw this great Twitter uh, video a couple days ago, and somebody was vaping with an e-cigarette, and they tried on several different masks. Now, the exhale from a vape is actually larger particles than what you would have with a, a viral particle with SARS-CoV-2. And you could see the seepage coming through everywhere, the sides, the top, uh, and through the mask itself. That's why you don't see any, any suppression from mask-wearing areas, whether it's cities, states, or countries. When the virus comes in, it does its thing, and, and then it leaves you know, three to six weeks later after its wave. And that's why you see, when you look at uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Florida, those areas with light restrictions, they should be getting blown away in both COVID and excess deaths by restricted states. They're not. They're all statistically about the same, which really just shows you that the lockdown mitigation efforts, they just don't really do anything with, with incredible harm to kids that are out of school and people that aren't working, things like that. Well, you've questioned the case and death numbers uh, that the CDC is releasing. Explain why you question those numbers. Well, they question the numbers, too. So uh, going back several months, they've said that the numbers are, are overstated. That's not minimizing that COVID-19 is real. It's real. Uh, it's caused maybe 250,000 excess deaths in 2020. The lockdowns have probably caused another uh, 100,000 deaths or so. Uh, and so what you see is when you look at the big hospitalization numbers, like 130,000 right now, uh, about two-thirds of those are actually caused by COVID, people that are in there with COVID-19. The rest of them, because we have 100 to 150 million people that have been infected, you're going to have a lot of people in the hospital that are positive with the virus, but that's not what they're in there for. They're asymptomatic. They're not sick from the virus, but because they have it, that counts as a death or a hospitalization. And now it looks like anyone traveling from another country to the U.S. will need to be tested for COVID before being allowed into this country. So what do you think of that requirement? Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure how much it actually is going to have an impact when you've got such widespread community spread within the United States. Uh, but, you know, for me and my charter, my purpose is we need to get our schools open. Like it is a human rights crime that our kids are not in class. There's no data anywhere in the world that supports the kids should not be in class. Not one outbreak or hospitalization death um, associated with, with kids being out. So let's get our kids back in school. Let's get the restrictions lifted so people can get back to work. And then we can kind of worry about some of this other stuff. Well, from everything that you've been saying, I'm guessing you believe more is going on here than just protecting the health of Americans? Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. The, the restrictions are simply not in sync with the risks to the general population. I mean, again, you've got uh, 
The median age of deaths for COVID-19 is hovers around life expectancy. 96% of all the people that die have three or more comorbidities. As a general population, if you are healthy and you are under 75, you are at very low risk. If you are under 50 and healthy, you're at practically zero risk. And so, um, and and you can see this correlate. You know, it's it's. While there's Democrat-led states might have tighter restrictions by some correlation, there's a lot of Republican-led states too. So it's really time for governors to open up and and uh, and protect those that are at risk, get these vaccines out, and let everybody else get back to normal. So do you think we will get back to a pre-COVID normal? What do you think uh, might happen in the future as more Americans get the vaccine? I do think, I think COVID is something we're going to live with forever, sort of like a cold virus. I, I think we will be trigger, registering COVID-19 deaths or hospitalizations for a very long time. I do think that the vaccines will be a game changer. I encourage everybody to take them. There certainly is some risks, but these governors are not messing around, right? We've got 10 months of lockdowns and it feels like the, the best way out of this is for people to get this vaccine and, and we move on. Okay, the book is COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial. Michael Beatrice, thanks for setting us straight today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. Now that Joe Biden has been sworn in as the nation's 46th president, where will he take the country economically in the days ahead? He's already unveiled an ambitious $1.9 trillion stimulus plan. It includes more generous unemployment benefits, a $15 per hour minimum wage, and $1,400 in additional direct COVID relief payments to Americans. Conservative economists insist America cannot take on more debt. They worry it may cause hyperinflation and higher taxes, which may lead the country into economic ruin. Well, here to set us straight is senior contributor for Young Voices, Brad Palumbo. Mr. Palumbo is also an opinion writer for the Foundation for Economic Education and the host of the Breaking Boundaries podcast. Brad, it's good to talk with you again. So let's look at several of these proposals in Biden's plan. First, stimulus. Do you really think people need $1,400 more per person in stimulus money? No, I don't. And in fact, this a similar proposal that was evaluated showed that families of five with three kids and a household income of more than $200,000 would still be getting thousands of dollars in stimulus money courtesy of the U.S. taxpayer under a similar plan to what Biden has proposed. So I don't think we should be doing any form of COVID relief that isn't targeted to those who have actually lost work, have actually lost income, have actually been adversely affected. Otherwise, you're just spraying around taxpayer money like candy on Halloween, and that is absolutely not fiscally responsible. Okay, Brad, let's talk about this. So more generous unemployment benefits for those who've lost their jobs because of the pandemic lockdowns. So after all, about a million and a half additional Americans have filed unemployment claims since the first of the year. So what about that? Is that a good thing? Well, so it, I, we do have an unemployment system for this exact reason, but I have some concerns about the extent to which Biden wants to supercharge it with a $400 a week supplement. This would actually mean that for many workers, they would get close to 90 or in some cases even 100% of what they previously earned uh, actually working at their jobs. They would get that much just from a check from not working. And Biden wants to put that in place throughout through September 2021. That's a pretty obvious labor disincentive that I think would really put a slow on the economy when what we want to be doing is revving up the, the labor market. So we should not be expanding massively the unemployment welfare system system at this time. We should be keeping it confined to its original purpose and system. 
How about hard-hit states and local governments? Now, Biden is proposing $350 billion for them to bridge budget shortfalls. What about that one? Well, so it's kind of based on a false premise. When you look at the actual tax data, in many states, tax revenue has, it fell initially, but has since gone up significantly. And most states don't actually have a budget crisis. So this money that Biden wants for quote unquote state and local uh, government relief is actually mostly for bankrupt blue cities and states like New York City and California, who had these huge gaping budget holes before the COVID pandemic. And this is kind of a sly way of shoveling them that money in the name of an emergency when it's really just a blue state bailout at the expense of a federal taxpayers, which is just not fair. I mean, if you're in Florida and your state has managed well, and why should you have to pay more taxes for another state uh, not having to deal with the consequences of their own governance? So it's really rewarding bad budget behavior then, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the exact opposite of how the state's rights system is supposed to work. Okay, Biden's plan also would give $400 billion to accelerate vaccine deployment, reopen schools within 100 days. How valid is that expense? I think nobody really objects to money for vaccines and testing. I think that's pretty valid. Uh, across the board, I recognize the money with the schools is a little bit more of an eye raise because it's in theory, I think I'm fine with that. Everybody wants to get the schools reopened, but will teachers unions actually do it or will they just take the money and then continue to hold out forever and refuse to open schools with unreasonable demands, which is what we've seen in states across the country. So I'm a little bit more wary about funneling money to the schools unless you can get some ironclad concrete uh, promises that they're going to be reopening. Otherwise, I think you're just giving cash to teachers unions and they'll keep holding our school system hostage. And what about raising the federal minimum wage then to $15 per hour? How likely is that that a, w a wage increase of that size would actually result in higher unemployment? That's it's madness. That would be a harmful and highly controversial policy in normal times. But to double the federal minimum wage at the exact moment that small businesses across the country are on the brink of collapse, over 100,000 small businesses have already closed their doors and 60 percent say that they think they won't make it through June 2021. You think that doubling their wage bill right now is a good idea? Uh, the, to me, it's madness. And I think they know that it is, or they wouldn't be trying to sneak it into a package. But the reality is it would put millions of Americans out of work, and it should not be passed under the name of COVID relief. Brad Palumbo, senior contributor for Young Voices, thanks for setting us straight today. Thanks for having me. Joe Biden says he'll unify America. But some of the steps he's proposing may likely lead to more division. An executive order imposing a 100-day mask mandate is just one example. The federal government forcing Americans to wear masks won't prevent the COVID-19 virus from spreading. It's a bit like trying to force people to purchase medical insurance. Regardless of the mandate, some people just won't comply. Animosity toward law enforcement officers is already growing. So who will enforce the mask order? Defunded police departments? Who will write the millions of violators their tickets? Perhaps they could be thrown into overcrowded jails. I guess we could always release more felons to make room for mask mandate criminals. Folks, you see how absurd this is? Authorities in Germany are already proposing that COVID-19 rule violators there be sent to detention camps. I wonder if they'll be forced to wear a yellow COVID-19 crown patch on their jackets. It seems Germany has been down that road before.
It begins with the spreading of fear and then the detention of undesirables, those deemed to be a threat to society. Is this the country we want? So you say it won't happen here in the USA, right? It's already being considered. It's like an approach taken out of Mao Zedong's playbook. Some liberal journalists and politicians are calling for Trump supporters and other conservatives to be deprogrammed. Listen to these comments from MSNBC's Eugene Robinson in a discussion with New York Times Magazine reporter Nicole Hannah-Jones. There are millions of Americans, um, almost all white, almost all Republicans, who somehow need to be deprogrammed. They're, it, it, it's as if they, 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 they are members of a cult, the Trumpist cult. 75 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. So how are we going to deprogram all those Americans? By the way, at least 8 million of them were black or Hispanic, not white cultists. With all due respect, Mr. Robinson, maybe it's you who needs an adjusted attitude, not the Trump supporters. Yes, unfortunately, some people turn violent when they don't get their way. Others simply call for their opposition to be deprogrammed. That's what the Chinese are doing to ethnic Uyghurs, sending them to re-education camps. If unchecked, extreme racism and obsessing over agreement and control leads to calls for re-education. Eventually, when that doesn't work, frustration festers and morphs into anger and hate. Those emotions can eventually lead to genocide. You see, it's a slippery slope. So how does America resist and find its way back? Instead of pushing the deprogramming of Trump conservatives, how about promoting a return to Judeo-Christian values, a return to faith? Instead of turning to politics and government to fill the emptiness that many of us feel, why not seek a relationship with the Creator? God is the only one who can truly fill our void. Jesus encouraged us in Matthew 6:33 to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Yes, the things that will truly bring about a United States of America. Love for our neighbors, equality, prosperity, and the peace that we all desire. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Parlor, Twitter, and now on MeWe. And until next time, be blessed.